Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 42 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled The Seven Churches, Part 2. Our teacher is Alan Smith. We discover if this was your church, we would maybe entertain your ideas or my ideas. It just so happens it's Jesus' church. And uh, I'm going to make a request right now, perhaps, Pastor. I'd love for Trevor to be able to teach on his book for a Sunday or two in the future. Oh, a lot of people want to know what about new life. How does this church run? What do you, what's the idea? Trevor wrote a book years ago that's been used in a lot of churches. Uh, matter of fact, Trevor and I went down to a church in Georgia. I just spoke with some of them yesterday. And we went there, we took his book, and uh, we helped the church. It was actually a Baptist church, had deacons, and, and so they ended up switching to elders. Uh, that church is now between four and 5,000 members, and it was 150 then, barely making it. And they really and truly did go with a biblical concept of how, and I can honestly say Christ is running that church to this day. And so we, we all must fight this idea. I know what our church needs. I know what the church needs. And I want us to look at something. I'm not saying we all can't have good ideas. But if you think your good idea is what Jesus wants, a lot of times it's not the same thing. We see that Jesus does personally speak to the churches. He has a voice into the churches. Uh, if you have an idea that you think the Lord, just present it to any elder. And it will totally be considered as from the Lord. And a lot of times as elders, if we get two or three things that are the same, then we start, I'm not saying it has to be two or three, but a lot of times you get more than one, two or three, then you kind of, well, this might be the Lord saying something here. And we are at this church, uh, right or wrong, as well as we do edit or we don't do edit. A lot of times I'm sure we hurt people's feelings when they suggest, well, I think you need to sing this song or you need to let this person do that or that. Well, we get all of that. And it's not that we say poo-poo on that, but we are trying to do this thing by what the Spirit of the Lord says to this church and what it should be doing. This church runs pretty lean, if you notice. We don't have a lot of staff. We tend to try to stay away from that as much as possible. You can ask me why, and I'll tell you the truth. I don't know. If you, most of the answers I would have about this church is I don't really know. As, for, for, as an example, an easy example, we take communion together here every time we meet. Did you know the elders have never met on that? For some reason, it just happened. It wasn't legislated. It just I don't do. We just. I don't know if John just liked passing out the plate or what happened, but it. We just do it all the time. But there's not a plate there again, though. Uh, as I say that, looking back on, I'm like, Lord, hallelujah! There's no doubt in my mind, the Spirit of the Lord says for this congregation to do that, and we don't want to turn it into a to a ritual. Now that I've said it, I'm afraid we could do that. But I want to use that as a point of we're really and truly. And Trevor has and that book that uh, he compiled, which we believe is, uh, I say Trevor wrote it, he didn't really write it, he put it together. He took scripture and put it together in a manual uh, that's easy understood in trying to organize a, a church or a local assembly. 
And those are free, and they're actually on the podium on your way out. Anybody can get one at any time. I do uh, prophesy this, that it'll be needed more in the future than it's ever been needed as a handbook to remind us as we're trying to, uh, to move in the church. So there again, as you'll see as we move forward in this teaching of the churches, that how, look, just I want you to take note as you got seven churches. Uh, the Lord had something against six of them. Now, one of them, he didn't. One church, Church of Philadelphia. We'll also look at it. But seven of them, he, he bragged on them a little, but then he'd say, but I've got something against you. And... Uh, then, after he said what he had against them, then he went on to say, if you repent, I'll make you this promise. That's a good place to say glory. So not only does Jesus say, okay, I've got something against you, but now I've got a promise to you if you repent. Now, we're looking at it from the standpoint as a local church in these end times with our government and the world that we're in running as fast into hell as it can run on a slippery slope. I've never seen you know, a group of people so determined to fall into hell in my life. So we're, we're in this setting, we're in this atmosphere, which is turning more pagan all the time. It used to be more Christian atmosphere, it's getting more a more pagan atmosphere all the time. and But this book uh, gives us an idea of what we're to do, how we can respond. Jesus even speaks into it. And uh, so we'll notice several things here. We'll get into a scripture or two where most people don't realize it, but Jesus uh, speaks to an angel to speak to the churches or to carry the message to the churches. And it's here that we understand and get the understanding that every church that has been established by God has also been assigned an angel. Now, you might have a problem with that, but take it up with Jesus because he already knew it and that was his way of operations. So, do I believe that there's an angel over this church? Yes, I do. <clears throat> there's no doubt in my mind. Can that angel call for some backup? You better believe that it can. It's real and it's true. And it's always that the angel is always in agreement with the Holy Spirit to influence us to carry on in our behavior in the church house and as a congregation in harmony with the Holy Spirit. Uh, for instance, in this congregation, there's been more people in and out of here that's went on to other ministries. A lot of times people come in here, uh, they can be hurt or they could not be. A lot of times people come through here to get commissioned to their next place. Uh, a lot of times you'll find most people here do not feel like a member. I'll, I'll, I'll make a two-thirds of you feel better. Uh, most people here do not feel like a member. They're just visiting. And that does not offend us here. Yes, we understand that feeling. Because we understand the Holy Spirit's uh, calling you here. Usually people are called here for a season. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. It's just that, now there again, you can say, well, you're doing this wrong, or you're doing this wrong, or you're doing this wrong. Or I'll say, no, we're doing what's being impressed by the Holy Ghost and the angel over this church. Because you can look back for 20 years, and it's very, been very consistent with the number of people that comes through here and that's uh, influenced by this church. And we know that our goal is if we have 15 people, 
that the numbers are have zero to do with our goal. Numbers have zero to do with it. Uh, the giving here is, is incredible with the amount of people we have and the amount of money that people give. It's just, it doesn't match. The giving is totally supersedes the number of people that we have. So we know that this is, and, and this church gives a lot. If we got it, we're going to give it. And uh, so we're doing some things to expand um, who we are. But the things you'll find us expanding is in, uh, we'll be in fellowship with one another. We, will, we got some few things in the works here that we believe that the Holy Spirit's saying to do. But right now we're focusing in more so on fellowship with the believers because we think it's going to be needed. And we think that we're convinced that's what the Holy Spirit's saying to this church, among some other things. So as we move forward in this church, uh, I want us, us to understand how this church operates, what we're operating under the idea of. And our idea here is that Jesus is ruling this church. And, and, I, and I understand how we, well, yeah, but that's really all thinking. I, I get all that, but somebody's going to have to trust Jesus with the elders. That's all I know. Somebody's going to have to pray for the elders, trust Jesus with the elders. And it just so happens here the elders here are not, not in any way a hierarchy. They listen to everything people say, always trying to find the voice of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it is definitely, definitely not to be a guilty of a Nicolaitan spirit here, where the the, you have the clergy and the laity, and uh, uh, we so don't get that, that uh, it would make us puke, if you just want to know the truth, is we understand that we're a family here, and but we have a mission, and that is to hear what the Holy Spirit, what Jesus is saying to this church. And it can be, it'll be different to all different kinds of churches because the Lord, he's got a, Lord's got a big mission. Did you know that? It's a pretty big planet. And he calls people and selects people to do different things. It says in Corinthians that God has, has chosen the body and he has placed everyone in the body where it pleases him, not me, him. So we are under this idea, if you're here, you're here today, that the Lord's called you here today. You've been chosen by Him. You've answered the call to be placed in this body today. Now, you say, well, Alan, why is that important? The reason it's important is because it's true. And what brings us together, man, is together is an element of truth. And upon that truth, we'll find in a, a place where God can take an abode. He can take his position. Because we're all sitting in here under this idea that Jesus is in charge of this place. And if Jesus is in charge of this place, if somebody comes up and says, I've got a testimony, 98% of the time we'll yield to that. 98%, I'll just go ahead and tell you. But I also will tell you this, if it's a movement of God and the Spirit's moving really good, I just pray that you don't cause God to pull Ananias and Sapphira on us. If you don't know what I mean, you need to go read your Bible. We're under this idea, and I'm not saying we got to hit it perfect, but I am saying that we're, we have an open assembly here. And uh, because we're under this idea that Christ 
is running this crowd. And we also understand that the spirit of Jesus is, is something in a powerful testimony of, of who he is. And so we are 100% for mixing up the testimony of what God's done in your life with our normal atmosphere of congregation, of congregating, if you will. Uh, if you, if you, if the Lord's done something for you that you deem the Holy Ghost is saying it needs to be shared to the body to edify Christ. Uh, if you have that persuasion, then we invite you to to share that, because we know if we, when the Spirit and the testimony of Jesus Christ. It's where we can interact with the moment of the spirit of the presence of God in a congregation. We're totally aware of that here. We're not here uh, singing three songs, preaching, teaching to put on a performance. Can somebody say amen? We are so not into performance here. That's the reason we don't showboat worshipers. Has anybody noticed? We don't showboat one person. We're not into showboating. Uh, or then the reason we're not is because we are really after the presence of Christ and this church being led by Jesus. I'm not saying that we always hit that mark, but at least know we are 200% conscious of that, and that is our goal. And if you'll pick up a book, that free book out there, if, if we run out, don't worry, we'll put some more right there. I think there's even some in a underneath that if we run out, uh, underneath that podium. Because where we're heading as the churches, uh, we're going to need people to consider that operations that we have here that's in that book. And also you'll maybe appreciate it in your own personal life as you see what's going on here. And other churches do the same thing. I mean, it's, it's but we're privileged with having uh, that piece of literature. So we got Christianity versus Christendom. We need to understand the deception and the difference in the seven churches of the book of Revelation. So you'll see that he says, I've got something against you. Well, when he's got something against them, that's where you can move from Christianity to Christendom. You can have a form of godliness. So in, in the seven or six of the seven churches, you have an element of, of Christendom and not Christianity. But this element is when people move uh, in the arm of the flesh. I heard Peter Lord tell a story one time. This man who was real good at making cherry pie, and, and he made cherry pies and, because he thought God liked cherry pie. When he died and went to heaven, he said he walked in and gave God and said, cherry pie. And God said, "Bleh, I don't like cherry pie." And you can say, "Well, what does what does that mean?" We get in our minds what we think God likes. That's that's what happens. And God doesn't like anything that's performance based. He just doesn't like it. And God is a God of grace and of mercy and love, but He doesn't like everything. And that's what we'll see in these seven churches. God said, I, but I don't like, you're, you're doing this and I don't like it. And um, you can say, well, Alan, what does it mean when God doesn't like something? Well, I, theologically, I got some ideas. 
If I'm going to be real with you, I don't want to know what God does when he doesn't like something. I'm not, I theologically could give you an answer. The real answer is let's just, let's don't push it to find out. Let's just know that there's some things he doesn't like. Then let's strive to do what he does like. And uh, just praise the Lord if we can never answer that question. So I want us to look at these seven churches in light of a church in the end times and where we are today. Jesus says, you're doing some stuff you shouldn't be doing. But he said, if you'll repent of it, I got a promise at the end here. If you'll repent of it, here's what I'll do. So I think that's pretty good information to the churches today. So now a mixture creates confusion in the church. This is what happens in the, in the seven church study in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Uh, you have this mixture. The Philadelphia church did not have a mixture. One church out of seven, interesting, did not have a mixture. Mixture was the problem. You know, in the Laodicea church, it says, I'd rather you be hot or cold. It said, I'd rather you be one or the other. And uh, not to have this uh, a mixture. I know uh, some churches that I can say uses a lot of liturgy. This might get me in trouble, but I'll say it. I'm not saying all churches that use liturgy. But some people, uh, some churches uh, depend 100% on liturgy, and they go through the, uh, the liturgy of the service or whatever, and it might not have the spirit in it. might be colder than ice, but God's happier with that than He is somebody trying to act like they got the Spirit of God, and they don't. Can you hear me? Now, that crowd won't act like they've got something. No, we're doing based off of historical studies. But you got to understand something. God likes that better than he likes a lukewarm church, a mixture church. So mixture is something, if we can say together, God doesn't like. God just doesn't like the mixture. So it says this in 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they could be of God, indicating that might not be. But what about the church? All human kingdoms become Babylon sooner or later. Babylon is about convincing people and controlling people. The church is about helping people and setting them free. I introduced you this last week, and I had quite a few people ask me about this. The church is about helping people and setting them free. It's not about controlling people. We're not trying to control. I'll use, I hate to keep using the obvious, but... That's what's out here today, homosexuality, transgender. We're not about controlling those people that's in that particular sin. No more, we, no, no more than are we about controlling anybody in any sin. The church is about helping people out of a lifestyle, out of a sin, to be set free from the power of this thing. That's what we're about. So we don't want to necessarily... Uh, block people from coming. That is not our goal. Our goal is to help people. Can you hear that? Now, do the, am I going to get into some things that we're to look at about the... Uh, there's one article. It's a good article to read. Uh, the title of it was uh, When Do We Allow Homosexuality and Transgenders to Come to Our Church? That's the title of the article. And which would make you think, oh, you didn't know we were, right? And, uh, but it's a good article. It's totally scriptural. 
showing what the behavior of the church is. We got to really be careful and not have a mixture of our fallen nature with our Christian, with our Christianity. Just remember, as a church, it's about helping people and setting them free. Good. I don't care if you got a hangnail or a toenail. It's about setting you free. Now, Babylon is about convincing and controlling people. That's what false teaching does. That's what uh, a lot on the hard left is doing today. Is saying, yeah, come, come be who you are, be just like you are, and, and we'll accept you and everything's okay. And um, Jesus always has loved the sinner, but he doesn't like the sin. That he, he just doesn't like that. Now, you don't convince people to buy your product. You show them how your product will help them, and they will buy every time. I used a analogy last week of how I sell my cow manure. I got rebuked for that, so I will not do that one again. Um, you are not convinced of salvation, but you receive the help of the truth unto salvation. Right? There, there's a, we've got to see ourselves. I had a, I, I tell people I started four churches because in my lifetime because I split two and it created four. And uh, I wish I was kidding, but I'm not. And uh, the... The idea of um, being correct, I guess you could say, or the, um, the idea, well, let me go this far. I was told I had cancer years ago and I was dying, which I believed I was because I sure felt like it. And uh, I was told I had six months or so to live. And y'all have heard, some of y'all heard me say this. And, and I asked the Lord there, I said, well, Lord, I want to meet you as clean as possible. Could you show me sin in my life that I might repent? The first thing he said to me, and I was done after it, just to be honest with you. Uh, first thing he said to me is, who do you think you are to defend me? First thing he said to me. And I didn't realize it, but I was spending most of my Christian life and starting churches by splitting them. By defending God, I thought, and His Word. Well, I bless God. Y'all running over the Word of God, over God, and I'll not have it. First thing God rebuked me with is, who do you think you are to defend me? And, of course, I realized through uh, the Holy Spirit that I had pride. That's what He was showing me, that I had pride to think that God needed me to defend Him. Now, just think about it a minute. It sounds kind of stupid, right? For me to think I've got to defend God? God's never asked me to defend Him. He's asked me to live for Him. And it was through great pride that I could defend Him enough that I could split a church, much less bring it together. How did I split a church? It's by defending God. Bless God. Here's what the Bible says, and here's what you got to do. And I knew, I knew, I, listen, I have forgotten more scripture now. You should have seen me about 30 years ago. I knew a lot of Bible. I knew a lot of Bible. I could handle it in any conversation about ever how you wanted to. And since the God rebuked me, I've, I've forgotten a lot that I've learned. Because I don't utilize it to defend God. I said, okay, God, I repent. He said, I've called you to live for me. Don't go out here feeling like you got to protect me. I'm... He was saying, I'm a big boy. I can look after myself. And, and I got what he was saying. I don't know if you can get that. 
If, if you can't get it, you might need to ask him why. But I got, I got that one. And so I don't stand up here defending God. I stand up here trying to live for him, proclaim what he's saying to us here. Is that all right? So that's the reason I, uh, you're not going to get me too upset about the different arguments. Now, let's move on. Now, the first eight verses are the key to the book. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is given unto him. We saw that this revelation, I'm, not, I'm going to skip through quickly these first six verses. This is about the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, he goes on to say that the time is near. He says, who bears record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he. Do you see that? Blessed is he. Now, the reason the testimony of Jesus is where you touch a powerful, where you poke a hole, if you will, into the spiritual world with your finger, if you will. Is when, and that's the reason I say a testimony of Jesus in a service when it's a real testimony, when you're not just trying to stand up here so you can be seen, but when you have a true testimony of what God's done in your life, that pokes a hole in the spirit world. And all of a sudden, it can then create a portal because it is a testimony of Jesus. Well, that's what the book of Revelation does. And hopefully, I'm going to show you, it's probably going to take me six or eight weeks, but I'm going to show you how poking the hole in this spiritual world, uh, it turns into a big opening. It's not just a little hole, it's a big opening. Now, the whole book of Revelation is a testimony. Can you hear me? It's a testimony of Jesus Christ. So we should do uh, six or eight weeks of teaching, and we should be in full-fledged revival. If I can do a decent job in presenting it, and you can do a decent job in hearing it. I mean, we should be. Because that's, 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 what, that's what it's about. It's about the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, your excitement level about the kingdom of God is weak, equal to your revelation of who Jesus is. Your excitement level about the kingdom of God is in total relation to how much of the revelation of Jesus Christ you have. I didn't say head knowledge, it's heart knowledge. You can have a lot of head knowledge about the kingdom, but you're not a happy man or a happy woman. It's the revelation of Jesus. It's that testimony. A testimony means that you have been, you have tested Jesus Christ and it made you moany. <laughs> it made you moan and groan. It made, you got a revelation of who Jesus really is. And the reason you're sitting in here born again is because you got a revelation and it changed you and you had never left it. But yet Jesus says he can have some things against us that's hurting that power of the revelation of who Jesus is. There's more revelation of who Jesus is in your life that we need released into the congregation. And that's what, this, that's what he's saying to the churches here. So he says, blessed is he that reads and hears the words of this prophecy. And to those that, of which are written therein, for the time is at hand. And that, just remember that, the time is at hand. We got the seven churches here. He says in four and John to the seven churches. And I'm setting this up so you understand what these seven churches are about. Blessed is the man who reads it. It's all about the testimony of Jesus. It's not about in your head. 
It's about the testimony of Jesus that's in the heart. What's the difference between Christendom and Christianity is because Christianity comes out of the heart. Christendom comes out of the head. Are you with me? This opening, John to the seven churches, it sets up the main plot that drives us to Revelation 21, 22. Now, Revelation 21, 22 is the new heavens and the new earth. The great Jerusalem comes down out of the air. So all of this is driving us to Revelation 21 and 22. Now it goes on to say here, and from Jesus Christ who was faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth and to him that loved us and washed us. Can somebody say glory? Okay. To him that loved us and washed us. Now there again, I'm trying to help you to be a Christian and not being in Christendom. If that just went to your head and not to your heart, you're in Christendom. It's okay for it to go through your head, but it's got to land in your heart. It doesn't land in your head. If I just read that and it didn't touch you, it's stopping at your head. That's the Word of God, and it's real, and it's powerful, and it's alive. we got to all check ourselves. This is what happens with the seven churches. They let it hit their head, but they didn't let it drop in their heart. He loved us and he washed us. We should be swinging from the chandelier. That's just the truth. You can say, Alan, that's good preaching. All right. Now, a priest's work was to heal. Now, he goes into there and he starts calling us something. He has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever. Amen. So he says, see here that we're kings and we're priests. Now, this starts giving the seven churches responsibilities of who they are in these seven churches. And a priest's work was to do what? It was to heal. So when we say at this church, do we believe in healing? The answer is yes. Why do we say that? Do we think God's quit that? Well, he's going to have to take a lot of other verses out about the priesthood. Because that's what they did. You see. So this is what we're supposed to We ought to pray for the sick. It's amazing how many, uh, uh, and I said it, I think, last week at how many floaters we've had healed in here. <laughs> it's amazing to me. I mean, we're about 10 or 12 people now that's had, and I had one or two other people that came up to me that um, last week I, we had something about a side. I, it's just an odd thing. I had a, this thing about the side over here. Well, after church was over Sunday, this lady ran up to me just crying. That was her son. He'd had an operation in her side. She said, just as soon as I said it, she knew it was him. And I prayed for her and with her, and it was just a, it was a, just an incredible mess. But it, that gave her a testimony. It gave her a witness that she knew the Holy Spirit was speaking to her. That's not head stuff. That's heart stuff. You see, I maybe said it, which means nothing about me, absolutely nothing. But I said it, and through the Holy Spirit... He said to her that was true and from him. Doesn't mean that Alan's got some great gift. Just means Alan's foolish enough to take a chance on it. That's all. Because you hear it and you say it. The spiritual transaction was with her. And she had a witness of the Spirit. Now, it excites me that in our congregation, people can get a witness of the Spirit. That excites me that we don't have so much hindrance that people can't witness the Spirit in here. You can have so much hindrance that that can't happen. 
So as we have one or two or three or four or five things ha- that, that we have a witness that the Spirit is being quickened to people, it's not something I say or Trevor or Steve that we say. It's because between here and your ears, the Holy Ghost picks it up. So okay. He blows life onto some. All of a sudden, it takes on a dimension. It's not man-made. You know, it's just it's just amazing to me. But we've got to make this distinction as we go into these seven churches. Some things had spirit on it. Some of them didn't. And then Jesus said, told the angel, he said, I got some things against this crowd. They're doing a lot of things right, but I got something against them. And as we go on in it, you'll understand those things that he had against them is what closes the portal to them. Interesting. Now, there again, I believe in the love of God, grace of God, all of that. But God's also a righteous God. He's also a God of judgment. There's some things... We need to do right to receive a blessing. We'll get in our heads that God's just a God of love so we can do anything we want to. That's called the Nicolaitans. And we'll get into it here if I'll hush and get going. Uh, one of the greatest times in history as it goes on in chapter and verse 7, Behold, he comes with clouds, every eye shall see him, which uh, also which pierce him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. That's Revelation 1-7. So this is the greatest time of, of history, or one of the greatest times, one of the top two. Now here we see J- Jesus tells us the same thing that was going to happen in Matthew. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. So here we see the Scripture bearing witness of Scripture. He goes on to say in verse 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. You see that? Now that's kind of odd, but you got to do a little study and go back to Zechariah. 12th chapter, where we are told that when he appears, those who pierce him shall look upon him and shall mourn. Now, we're going to get into more of that, the revelation, the understanding of that. They shall ask him, what are these wounds in your hands? And he will say, those which I received in the house of what? Of my friends. So here you start seeing the mixture of, is of an example, Christendom and Christianity. You see, Jesus got those piercing in the house of his friends. So we can be sitting in here as a congregation, and I can operate out of a spirit of Christendom and not a spirit of Christianity. That's what the Bible calls a mixture. That's where we don't show brotherly love, kindness, honesty. Now we're going to get into more of it. Behold, he comes with clouds, every eye shall see him. He goes on to say, all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. At the name of Jesus, you know the scripture, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord 
says this in Philippians. This is given testimony of the same time. goes into verse 8. Now, I'm getting ready. These verses are leading up to this great revelation or this great vision in verse 10. This is huge. So he's saying these things about Jesus and about the testimony. And about Then all of a sudden, he'll start going into this vision or this trance. He goes on to say, I'm Alpha Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Here we see God himself signifies it or gives his signature. God himself is saying, okay, the reason he put that in there to say, I'm the one that's saying, I'm the one that's doing this thing. It's a big deal. In verse 9, he goes on to say, uh, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of the Lord, for the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's Revelation 1.9. Now remember there, the book of Revelation is about the testimony of Jesus Christ. We'll get on in, in chapter 3 and we'll go into this a little bit more. I'm not going through the whole book of Revelation, probably just through verse chapter 3. But he goes into this of what this revelation, and please hear what I'm saying. It's a revelation of the testimony of Jesus Christ. This is a big deal. Um, I'm afraid we've gotten too callous to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Right? I'm afraid we've gotten too, too callous. Or we, we, we've, we, we don't value the testimony of Jesus Christ and His people uh, like we should. Uh, just, I, I'm, I guess I'm just kind of talking out loud right now. But does anybody have a witness to that in your own life? How much Jesus has done for us. Now that testimony of who He is is a spiritual movement. I mean, we can flip into our head and let me tell you how much I know about Jesus. Or I can tell you a testimony of what Jesus has done for me. Trust me, that you can know no scripture and have a testimony and out-spiritualize any theologian with no experience. And that is the truth. The reason is there's this Holy Ghost wind blown on. I can stand up here if the wind doesn't blow on it. The only thing you're going to remember is I just drank a cup of coffee. Now, Let's move on. Patmos is a tiny island, only four miles wide, six miles long, just off the coast of Turkey in the Aegean Sea. Now, we can see evidently that he was there to give and get this testimony of revealing who Jesus is. Testimony of Jesus. Now, this might sound elementary, but we've got to get what is saying. The revealing of Jesus we're all needing a fresh revealing of who Jesus is. This is what happens in the churches. This is what happens in the church in these days. We need a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. It's so huge that God gave this whole book, the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. He wrote this whole book so we would start getting something about this revelation. So that tells us as a prophetic people... He wants us to be in touch with and aware of daily when God uh, moves the dots or moves the dominoes of life in your favor. 
I say in your favor, revealing unto you a path of life. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? When God aligns things, when all of a sudden something happens that shouldn't have happened, but yet God aligns these things, that is a revelation of who Jesus is, is what that is. Now, let's keep going here. Now, there is uh, uh, the agency, right? There's Patmos. I put a little, just a little island there off of Turkey. But you can see uh, in relation how it was to the seven churches that he wrote about in the book of Le uh, Revelation. There's the seven churches up above it. He's in that little island of four by six miles. And he wrote this. And God moved him to that island where he would actually have no cell phone, no TV, <laughs> no information coming in hardly from, from these other lands. God gave him isolation. He said, John, I got to tell you something. Listen to me. Couldn't get cell service in Patmos. Okay. Now let, let's look at it, if you will. Uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles also, I do have it on the screen. I would love for you just to uh, start carrying your Bibles into this class a little more because we're going to be referring to it more. If you don't, it's okay. I'll I'll have them. But there is a, there again, I'm trying to convey a supernatural experience of the Word of God and the revelation of Jesus. Now, there's something about, I can't tell you what it is. It won't work in your brain. It'll only work in your spirit. There's something about this book. Did you know that there's people in other countries that have died to get one page of this book? Just one page. There is something supernatural about this book. I advise you to always have one in your car. On your dash is fine if it'll stay there. Am I superstitious? You could call me about the Bible. I guess I am. Because I know it's a supernatural book. I know people have died for one page or one verse. I also know when I read the book, I can hear somebody preach and teach. But what so much revelation takes place if somebody's preaching or teaching and I'm following it. It's not that I can't hear or read. I'm looking for that, that supernatural revelation to come from a preacher preaching. You see, it's not done intellectually. It's done spiritually. And this book is supernatural. I don't care if you sit on it during preaching. Just be somewhere around it. Because there is spiritual transactions that take place with this book. You say, well, Alan, I can get it on my phone. I'm fine with that. I'm just get it any way you can get it as long as it's the Word of God. Because I'm telling you, there's more to this, what I'm trying to say, than I know. Does anybody have a witness with me? There, there, there's more to it. I don't understand it. I just know it's true. I know the, the, the percentage of my revelation of what somebody's preaching or saying goes way up when I'm carrying the Word of God and I'm, I'm kind of keeping up with it and I like to kind of read a little bit as I go along. Makes a, makes a huge difference. Now, he goes on in this Patmos vision and we go into it in chapter 1 of Revelation. We're going to look at it right quickly here uh, in uh, verse 10. Now watch this. All of a sudden, you, you, you can see that picture there. This this picture is depicting uh, this vision that, that uh, John has that he's getting ready to explain in these next verses. So he has this vision. You see the candlesticks there. You see the seven stars in his hand. You see all of that. 
So as, as we're reading this, what we're reading is this vision that he had. Now let's watch it. Now what we're trying to do, I remind you, we're a church in the end times. Uh, Jesus is speaking to us through the angels to the seven churches. First, he speaks to John. John has this vision. He sees the vision, and then he writes down the seven churches based off seeing this vision. Now, here we go. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice as a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, and to Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamos, to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philippi, and to Laodicea. So this is how he starts off in verse 1 and verse 12. Verse 12, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, he turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. So he sees uh, this vision. Then he goes on to say this. And his feet were likened to fine brass as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars. You see them there. And, on, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. I am, behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death and write these things. Now watch this. He told John to write these things. Which thou hast seen, past, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. So this whole book of Revelation is divided into three sections. Things that are, were, things that are, and things that will be. He's right. He said, so this book of Revelation talks about past, talks about present, and he talks about future. Three divisions in this book. Now, keep that in mind. Verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are what? are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks which thou saw are the seven churches. So we see here that there's seven stars, if you will. Is there a star over New Life Church? The answer is yes. The reason I say there's an angel over every church, every assembly that's called a church. Doesn't mean there has to be just one. I do believe there's a head angel. But there can be many angels. Uh, I've had people say, well, Alan, I've never seen an angel. Let, let me ask you this. It might help you just a little, some of you. <laughs> Have you ever been talking or going somewhere and, or in your front yard or something? All of a sudden you see something over here and you turn and it's, and it's not there. Or something comes in your peripheral vision. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
It's probably an angel. You see, it's right on the course of spirit and natural. And you're a spiritual being and you're tuning into the spirit and you're tuning into the natural world. So it'll start coming in just a little bit. And I'm going to get into this more if you're interested. But if you see something moving in your peripheral vision, you look and it's not there. It's a pretty good chance it's an angel, and I can go into other reasons uh, a little later on on why that to be true. You just test what I say. Oh, mercy. Do you know I just ran out of time? I got you hung on an angel. I got you hung on an angel. Where did I go next? Write the things which thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. And I'm going to have to stop right there today. Next week we'll pick up here with this idea of how is the church to react to the world we're in, how are we to act in the world we're in. And you will notice that what Jesus focuses on is not the world, but the church in the world. Are you with me? And the reason is, is the church of Jesus Christ is to be affecting the world. Now, does any am I the only one that wishes, that's not the right word, is it? Has faith for, <laughs> lest I be corrected, that New Life Church or those watching online, I can say New Life Church, let's say our own individual lives. Wouldn't it be wonderful that if we affected the world that we touch more? As a, to, now, you've got to understand, everything we're doing is creating a testimony of Jesus Christ. And, if you, and as, as we move forward here in this understanding as a church, when we understand and live and walk in that we're wanting to create testimonies of who Jesus is, that helps you in your delivery of what you're saying about the kingdom of God. Can you hear, hear me? Why are you saying what you're saying to somebody that's lost? It's because you know that the power of the Holy Spirit will help you in creating another testimony of Jesus Christ. That's what He does. He wants to create more and more testimonies of who Jesus Christ is. So as we're about doing the works of the kingdom... Perhaps consider this. Let's be about creating testimonies of Jesus Christ because it's there that the spirit world breaks into the natural world, whether it's through a healing or through a salvation. It's that testimony that breaks open. When you have a revival spirit, do you know what it's full of? A little bit of preaching, a whole lot of worship and much, much more testimony of what Jesus is doing in his people. Yes. Nothing I would enjoy more than standing here and watching the baptismal be aligned to it. People going into the baptismal getting healed. I'll, I'll tell you this, it just come to me. I gave, sent a prophecy to uh, I sent a prophecy to, to Benny Hinn a week or two ago. The prophecy was that the Lord gave me to give him was that if Benny Hinn would start praying for the baptismal waters, that that gift of healing is going to be in those baptismal waters. 
Now, I don't. You say, well, Alan, do you? I believe it because I know the Lord gave that to me. Can that happen? I think it can happen. I didn't just think it up. But I believe that here and everywhere else. You say, well, Alan, what's water got to do with it? Well, there again, I don't know. But I can tell you this, the supernaturalness of creating a testimony of Jesus being in our midst is the issue. That's the deal. I mean, this morning, I can't wait to see what God will do in my life, in your life, that will bring a testimony unto who Jesus is. And as that happens and as that accumulates, it'll build and it'll build to a point you can walk in those doors and you feel the testimony of Jesus. Can somebody have a witness with what I'm saying? That is before us and it's being offered to us. I'm running on barred time now, so will you stand? And I want to pray, Lord Jesus, be with us today. Be with us, O oh God, as we go into your word. Be with Trevor as he brings the word. Lord God, I pray, and we and I, I know you don't need to be invited, Lord, but I do invite you anyway. To be in our midst. And we call for the supernaturalness of your presence in this place that it might create at least a dozen or 15 or so testimonies, new testimonies, fresh testimonies of who Jesus is among his people. That it might infect us and go from here and affect a, a world that's dying and that's needing hope. Yes. Proof of our hearts, Lord, is we're going to worship you right now. I don't know what our first song is, but oh, come all you faithful, joyful, Lord, let us worship you this morning in the great revelations of who you are. Come and mess us up, God, is my prayer. In Jesus' name, and the house said, Amen. Amen. Amen.